Welcome back to Just Saying Everyone, a podcast about how to be a more intentional communicator. My name is Charlie Thornton, and today we've got another FAQ segment for you, all about understanding your audience. So it should be a good one. Before we jump into that, though, if you're new, thank you so much for being here. If you're returning, double thank you for being here and for listening. We're doing our best to give you relevant, practical stuff uh, about how to communicate better and to do it in a, in a format that's pretty short. Obviously, we can't have a three-hour podcast about being brief. Um, so if you like what you hear, please do us a favor and give us a review. That really raises the profile of the podcast and it helps us get the word out to more people so we can have important conversations like this one. All right, let's jump in. Understanding the audience. Uh, these questions are pulled from our FAQ email, which is FAQ at thebrieflab.com. And if you have a question that you want answered about any topic, well, preferably about communications, but uh, send a, send your question there and we will do our best to work it into a future episode. And if you've got more than one question, go ahead and send them all. Uh, we may not get to all of them, but uh, we'd love to see those questions come in. We've also got a few questions from a recent workshop that we did that I thought would be relevant for today. So I've kind of swept these together and I will opine on them beginning now. All right, let's start off with our first question. What if I don't know my audience very well? Is it dangerous to make assumptions about them? Get this question a lot. Um, okay, the short answer is yes. It's dangerous to make assumptions about your audience. Uh, so sometimes people think, well, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking, so I'm not even gonna try. All right, I think that's probably the worst thing that you could do. If you don't know what they're thinking, if you don't know what motivates them, then do everything that you can to understand as best you can. So send them an email ahead of time with questions. Uh, talk to their chief of staff or their secretary or their right-hand person or someone that has presented to them previously. Do everything that you can to get as accurate a picture as possible about what they care about. Now, if you're not able to do those things or if you're not able to do those things sufficiently, um, I don't see any problem with asking them at the beginning of your briefing or your presentation. So you can begin with an executive summary, which we always recommend, but then you can say things like, you know, I, I'd like to make this as efficient as possible for you. So just a few questions. Um, does, is everyone here familiar with the term blank? Give me a quick show of hands. Okay. And how about this term? Okay. Well, looks like most of you are, but few of you are not. Would it be okay if I took a minute or two to just clarify these terms so we're all speaking the same language. And of course, they're going to say, yeah, go for it. And now you've got permission to proceed in a way that's really attentive to them, which is good. All right. Um, now, one other thought on that, though. Don't be afraid of making assumptions if they're informed assumptions. Um, if you think about it, all communication makes assumptions, right? We make interpretations of people's body language and um, their facial expressions and the tone of their voice. We make assumptions based on those that information to interpret what they're thinking. Uh, there's a really cool book called Brain Rules by a guy named John Medina, where he talks about this concept of theory of mind. And what theory of mind is, is it, it's our ability to understand where someone else is coming from. Maybe empathy is a, is a more simple way to think about it. And it stitches together all these different things, right? The tone of their skin when they're, you know, are they, are they losing their temper or, you know, how are their eyes shaped and all, all these different things. And it, and it gives us an emotional picture of where they're coming from. 
the interesting thing about theory of mind is it correlates very strongly with intelligence. And it also is something that we can actually improve. We can measure it and we can improve it. And one of the ways to improve theory of mind, in other words, one of the ways to improve empathy is to play music. And some of you know I'm a musician, so I really love this, this reality. Um, I, I was so excited when I heard that. As a musician, when you're playing along with music, whether it's another musician or even a recording, you're, you have to anticipate almost to the millisecond what they're doing so that you can stay on top of it and react to it. So it makes you extremely attentive to your audience. So don't be afraid of assumptions um, when it comes to communication. Just don't make them based off of nothing. Make them based off of intelligence that you can gather, questions that you can ask to observe more clearly. Okay, hopefully that's helpful on that one. Second question. Oh, this is, this is one I get a lot. Uh, and I think this is a good one. What if my audience is a mix of different people? How do I choose who to present to? So you got a lot of different people in the room and they all have different needs for information. So one guy needs, you know, a lot of information and he wants to go into the weeds and another guy needs just the big picture. All right, so here are two questions that I would ask when you're coming to this type of situation. Number one, Who's the most important person in my audience? Number two, who is the most high-level person in my audience? And those are worth knowing. Um, if the answer to both of those questions is the same, then you've got a very clear indication to yourself. I need to keep this really high-level. And if there are other people in the room who need more information, I can do one of two things. I can share more information with them ahead of time so I can have a conversation with them prior or I can share more information with them afterwards. And let's say you don't have an opportunity to connect with these people prior, you can always during the course of that conversation say to them something simple like, Bill, I know you're, we're gonna wanna go deeper into you know, page three on this spreadsheet and the finances and I'm happy to do that. And in fact, I sent you an invite for 30 minutes to do that later this afternoon. And that way Bill goes, okay, cool. I'm gonna get my time to go into the stuff that matters to me. But for now, I'm going to focus, I, I will be part of the conversation focused on the big picture. Now, what do you do if the answer to those two questions is different? So if the most important person in the room is not the person who needs the highest level of information. Um, in that case, think about scheduling an hour and think about inviting certain participants for the first 20 minutes or 30 minutes and then dismissing them. I've seen executives do this. It seems a little awkward at first and then people get used to it and it's great because they get more time back. They're like, great, I don't have to sit through the, 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 you know, the detailed part of this. I can just, I got what I need and, and I can leave. So you may say, all right, the most important person needs an hour of information, but some of the others just need the big picture. So I will uh, have a break 20 minutes in and I'll give them the opportunity to leave. Uh, and, and give that a shot. I think you'll find that it's quite helpful. All right, hopefully that helps. Don't feel like you have to do everything for everyone in one meeting. It's not possible. So be smart about it. Do your work ahead of time. Do your work afterwards. Next question. Any suggestions on how to address various ranks within the military? And are there any rules to follow for that guidance? Uh, great question. I'm sure that there are people that I work with um, who served in the military who could 
answer this in a more nuanced way. Um, but I'll just take a quick crack at it. I did not serve in the military, but but here's my impression from years of working with the military and also working with a lot of corporate executives. In general, the more senior people are, in general, the more they have on their plate. And the more they have on their plate, the more they have to divide their attention across many things. And because of that, the more protective they are of their attention. And because of that, the greater sense of urgency they have. So just in general, if you're talking to a more senior person, you should prepare more and you should say less. And I think that's going to be a pretty good rule of thumb. Now, you could get into greater nuances about, is this person on my team? Is this person, you know, the commander of my unit or are they someone else? And, and these things probably all have different um, implications. But in general, the more senior they are, prepare more and say less and really put a lot of thought into the context. What do they likely know? What do they likely care about? Those are two really good questions for you to ask yourself. Okay, hopefully that helps from a non-military guy. Um, all right. Next question. What are some methods when speaking to a superior to ensure they understand you without sounding condescending? Oh, good question. Okay, so um, the short answer is when you check in, so when you pause to sort of assess if they're tracking with you, make it about you. So you can just stop and say, you know, sir or ma'am, um, I want to make sure that that uh, we're on the same page here. So any clarifications on uh, what we've discussed so far? Or you can use a phrase like, uh, I want to make sure that I'm being clear. So do you have any clarifications or questions on, on what we've covered? Just a simple question like that. I, I, I don't think you're going to get into any trouble for asking that question. It, uh, it makes it about you. It makes it, you're, you're essentially saying, I want to make sure I'm doing my job effectively. And so I'm going to pause before I just plow forward. Um, and it's, you're not, you know, you're not talking down to them in a, in a condescending way. And they can give you a quick thumbs up and say, keep going. And that doesn't take very long and, and you should be on your way. Next question. Should I approach? Uh, so this is, I'm going to infer this question a little bit differently. Um, should I change my approach when I talk to subordinates? Ah, okay. So versus speaking to superiors or, or peers. Um, well, the great thing about talking to subordinates is you can be really rude. No, that was a joke. No, no. <laughs> really not that much to change when you're speaking to subordinates. The, the thing you want to keep in mind with subordinates is you don't have to have to look at it in a, you know, one instance of communication at a time, you, you can kind of look at it in aggregate. So one of your jobs as a leader of subordinates is to give your people context. If you do that consistently, then you will win the right or the ability to at times give them very direct, brief instructions, and they should know what to do with it. So if you say, hey, I need you to take care of that. Well, in the absence of context, they're going to be very confused and they're going to go away and, and spend a lot of time and a lot of stress, probably creating the, the wrong plan. But if you've given them a good 
job over time of giving them context, and then you say, I need you to take care of this, then what are they going to do? They're going to know what you're talking about. They're going to know why it's important. And they're going to know what latitude they have to define how they should take care of it. And probably at what point you need to be reported back. So give them context over time. Be really clear about your expectations about when you need them to report back. Um, and if you do that as a leader and set those parameters, I think that one of the nice things is it gives you the ability to at times be really blunt with them, which is good. All right. Um, and then our last question here, moving along quickly. How do you deliver or present information in one brief where individual actions are required among multiple entities with individual objectives to achieve a collective desired end state? All right, I'm gonna translate that question into simple speak. How do you present information to several different people who all have to do different things for us to reach our goal? All right, hopefully that translation is helpful. Well, this gets back a little bit to the question we had earlier where you have multiple people um, who have different needs. And so I would follow all that same advice. Make sure that you're asking yourself ahead of time, can I do anything ahead of time with these individuals to make the meeting go well? Is there anything that I need to do afterwards to make the meeting go well? Maybe some of them don't need to be there for the whole conversation. Maybe them, some of them need to be there for an addendum conversation where we go deep into the weeds. So I think that's probably the number one um, thing I would say. And then I would also say that in situations like this, it sounds like there are a lot of different moving parts and there is a sense of urgency and there is a shared goal at the end, but all these different moving parts have to coordinate. So this is a great opportunity to use something visual and to document what, who's doing what. So drawing a picture on a whiteboard, uh, typing up an email that has specific action items for specific people, I think is tremendously helpful. If you can do this prior to the conversation, great. If you can't do it prior because it's not clear yet, you certainly should do it after the conversation. So that would be my advice there is um, make sure that everyone knows what they're supposed to do and by when. And do yourself a favor when you're doing this. Do not assign multiple people to one task. Sometimes we think we're increasing the odds that it will get done by assigning multiple people. We're doing it precisely the reverse. We're splitting up the responsibility. And so if I assign two people, it's half as likely to get done. So keep that in mind. I think documents, uh, pictures, anything that helps everybody understand where their small piece fits into the bigger picture, flow charts, Gantt charts, whatever you wanna use, I think that's gonna be helpful. All right, those are all the questions that we have for you today on understanding your audience. Obviously we could go much deeper into this topic, um, but hopefully these are some concrete things that you can apply. If you've got a question and you'd like it answered by myself or by Joe McCormick at the Brief Lab, um, send us an email at FAQ at thebrieflab.com and we will do our best to answer it. Thanks so much for listening today, everyone. Have a great week.